Would you join me um, in prayer, church? Father God, we love you. And we thank you for your goodness and your grace that pours out on us. Um, This morning, Lord, as we dig into your word that you have so graciously given to us, Lord, we pray to you, Father, Son, Spirit, one God, three persons. And Lord, we ask for the spirit that you gave us to speak to us through your word, that we would see the Son clearly, that we would see you, the Father, and that spirit, you would reveal your words. Lord, we need to hear from you this morning. And so it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm excited to be um, able to share with you this morning uh, through this passage in John chapter 15. Um, uh, This year, uh, me and my wife, Kimberly, um, we had our firstborn son, uh, Ezra. And uh, I tell you, it has been a huge blessing for us, um, not just from the humanistic standpoint, um, but so much spiritually. Um, as it has helped me see ways that God works with us, his children, as the heavenly father, and me seeing as a father to my child. One of the things that has stood out the most to me is to realize that I can have so much love for my child, but there's still only so much he can understand. There's only so much he can see and grasp, but he knows love, and when he reciprocates that love in some way, it is beautiful and is joyous. And on my end, there's patience to know in time he will learn these things. And so as I dug into this passage and as I've just sought after God to realize there are things that we don't know that are mysteries to us that God knows and that he is delighted to reveal to us as he shows us them to us. And so all of us today come with different levels of that growth in Christ Some of us still needing the spiritual milk and others eating on meat. And it's okay, regardless of where you are, because the Father loves you in that. As a father loves his child, so the Father loves us. And so with that in mind, and I'll hopefully echo back to that more as we go through this passage, this passage in John 15 is one I believe we can meditate on. Um, As I've read through it, I keep reading through it. And every time I read through it, something else would stand out And so I would encourage you, like, even after today, take this passage in John 15, this vine and branches, and just let it sit over you. Because I think there's a mystery here that I don't think I've even fully seen, but I think it's one of those passages that has so much depth um, that is available to it. So before we jump into John 15, I want to take us back just a little bit into John 14 to kind of set a little context Um, of where we are here in John 15. So we're going to jump back just a little bit to John 14, starting in verse 18. And Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and that you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, as also I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. And they jump to verse 25. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the counselor, or the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. 
So Jesus is sitting down with this last meal with his disciples, sharing these things with them, talking to them, and right in this passage, telling them, hey, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, he's giving this, this whole, them this picture of the Trinity here and these promises of what he will give to them and what he wants them to obey and how he wants them to see him. And after this, they get up and they start walking to the garden. And so we're nearing the end Jesus knows he is nearing the end, and so he has some final words to say with them. And that's when he enters in on John 15, starting in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So there's a couple things in those first three verses there I want to look into. We, we get this picture of a garden, the vine, the branches. Jesus says that the father is the gardener and that the gardener removes the branches that do not produce fruit and he prunes the ones that produce fruit. And we'll talk more about the branches that are removed um, that are cast aside later. But I want to take a moment and look at this, that the gardener prunes the ones that produce fruit. So I think there's something here that's difficult, um, but also encouraging. That I find, and I think we all find, like if we, if we pursue after God, won't life just be a little bit easier? Like, like That's kind of this hope. is like, God, would you take this stuff away from me? Would you just make things a little bit easier? I have all this stuff going on. And sometimes, and I'm not saying every situation, but sometimes there's some pruning to be done. And so as I was thinking about this in my own life and just like some difficult situations to see the things that I'm working through that I wish weren't so difficult or just struggles that I'm like trying to work through. And as we're going to see this whole time, it's, it's about abiding in the vine. And so God's trying to show us something here. But there's, he uses this word pruning. And what happens when you prune a vine or a bush you're chopping off part of it. And so if you carry with the analogy, there's some pain that is involved there. But why? Why would you do that to a branch? Why would you do that to this plant? Because you want it to produce more fruit. You, you cut it back so that it produces more. And so God, in his ultimate infinite wisdom, finds in some cases there's some pruning that needs to be done. And I think in our lives that relates to sometimes there's a sin that he's working on, a pride, an arrogance, a selfishness. There's something he's working on. And, and the, the struggles and the difficulties sometimes is him pruning so that we may feel some of the pain, see him more clearly, and end up producing more fruit, which we'll talk about the fruit um, to come. But he, he makes that point here. And in verse 3, he says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And when I read this passage, it's like, it just seems like such a weird transition that he's like talking about pruning the branches. And then he's like, but you're clean already. And you're like, okay, so are we talking about a vine and branches? Or are we talking about being clean? Well, we're talking about both because what's really fascinating is the Greek word that is used there in both situations is the same word. The word that is pruning is the same word for cleaning. And so literally, you could say that um, he is cleaning every branch that produces fruit. You are already clean 
because of the word I've spoken to you. And what does this mean? Like, what, what is he saying there? Well, we use two doctrinal points here of justification and sanctification. Justification means that you are right before God the moment that you accept him as your Lord and Savior. You are declared righteous. You are already clean because of the work that Christ did on the cross for you. But there is an ongoing work of sanctification, the process of God cleaning and making you more and more like him. And that is what we see here in this passage. The pruning, the cleaning, the sanctifying of you so that you may produce more fruit to be more like him. And so church, know that God loves you. That he died, he saved for you, he justified you and made you right before him. And then because he loves you, he wants to see you become more like him and produce more fruit. Like we have desires for our own children. We want to see them do good things. So does our Heavenly Father. And here's the kind of the bottom thought on that. Again, going back to analogy. The child may not understand the reasoning for the pruning in the life, but the father does. You may not understand why something is happening in your life. And there are hard and difficult things that we go through. But our children don't often understand why we have them go through certain things or endure certain things. Or an analogy I like to use, you know, why can't I have more candy and ice cream for dinner? Like, I want it. I want this thing. No, it's not good for you. Oh, but I want it. No, but it's not good for you. And I think in our own lives, like, we think, because we've grown as adults, that we know what is best for us. But our Heavenly Father knows what's best for us. And when those sometimes conflict, there's some pruning to be done. So let's jump into verse 4. Jesus says, Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Without Christ, you cannot bear fruit. Like, let's not miss what the passage says here. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. There's no branch that produces fruit unless it is connected to the vine. It needs the nourishment from the vine to produce fruit. And so what that means here, this doesn't mean that you can't live your life that you can't accomplish things without Christ. There are many people who don't believe in Christ that do things. And we would see them sometimes even as great things. And I think that's why scripture here uses the word fruit. It's being very specific to something that we'll continue to get into regarding the kingdom of God. And so the challenge here is to realize if you are not spending time abiding, being with Christ, you can bear no fruit. And that was a huge challenge for me, honestly, as I was reading through this. And I'll be honest with you, like I was studying and you know, I looked up the Greek word. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And every time I'd come back to it, I'm like, I need to go be with Christ. 
Like, if, if I'm not with him, if I'm not abiding with him, if I'm not praying and seeking after him, what fruit will I produce? Nothing. Because I can do nothing without him. And so in our days, our day-to-days, our life, may we be constantly reminded that we need to be with him. That we need him to produce anything that is good in our life. And he promises us good things if we will do that. To define the word remain with him or to abide with Christ, it means to not depart but to continue to be present. So it's an intentional part, part, it's an intentional piece on our part to not depart, but to be present with him. To consciously, each and every day, to remind ourselves to be with him. To wake up in the morning, to seek him first. To go to bed at night, to seek him first. To go to our job, to seek him first. And to remind ourselves of that, to be with him. To, re- to remember that he is always there with us. It means to be held, kept continually. The passage of to pray without ceasing that we see in Scripture. Often we wonder, well, how do you pray without ceasing? Like, I'm supposed to be doing stuff. I can't just constantly be praying, right? I think it goes beyond that. It's in your heart, in your soul, to without ceasing be with him, to seek after him. And it's a beautiful thing when we can do that. I think a lot of times we find us getting to the end of our days we're stressed out, so many things happened, and we're like, oh, really forgot to seek God at all today. And then there's other days where I find myself in the midst of the craziness to pause for a moment and just seek him, to just say a word to him, God, I love you. Thank you, God. God, help me. To abide with him, to be with him, to pray without ceasing, to seek after him, to abide with him, the vine, And it's difficult. And there's good news to come that it's not on us to hold that. But it is on us to make the effort to be a branch that wants to be connected to the vine, that wants to bear good fruit. Um, There's 12 very practical ways that we encourage us here at Beloved. We have these 12 spiritual disciplines that we go through each year. They're all available on our website. So if you're kind of like, get it, but I, I just need something more practical than two. Well, one, be careful with that because it's loving and seeking after your Savior. It's not what you do. It's the one that you love. But that's why we encourage things like Bible intake, prayer, confession, celebration, fasting, serving, meditating on the word, simplifying your life, worshiping, generosity, community, and rest. Because those are all things that help us abide with Christ, that make space in our life to seek after him. And why? Why do we seek after him? Because we love him for what he did? Because he gave his all for us? The last part of that verse has a a challenge, a hard thing. In verse 6, It says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. I believe this is a time that Jesus is talking about hell. He is talking about the consequence of the branch that does not abide in the vine. 
And I don't believe that means that you can lose your salvation. This is a passage that is used for that. Um, I don't believe that is a scare thing to say. If you genuinely are a believer in Christ here today, that, oh my goodness, one day I might wake up and have a bad day, and I'm going to start withering, and the branch is going to fall off, and I'll be cast aside. I don't think that's what it's saying. I was thinking about this a lot, and obviously you can only take the analogy so far, um, but I have a couple big trees in my front yard, and there are definitely some branches that are connected to the tree, but the branch is dead. It may be connected, but it is not receiving life. And it will fall off in the next windstorm, and it will fall to the ground, and I will pick it up, and I will throw it in my fire, and I will burn it. And as I thought about that, I thought, okay, the challenge there is, are you connected to the vine? Do you believe Jesus is God, that he died for your sins, that he is your savior, your only hope? And if you do, are you connected to him, the vine? The challenge is this morning that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will be, entered in, will be allowed to enter into heaven. Only those who know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And so my plea this morning is, if you are not confident in that, would you seek him? Would you come talk to a pastor? Would you know that you know him? That you love him? Again, that doesn't mean we have off days or weeks or seasons, but it means that you know him, that you love him. And that you're not just a branch that is coming to church that appears connected to the vine, but inside is dead. And I believe that's what this passage is, that Jesus is warning of us here, is it's possible to look like a branch that's connected to the vine on the outside, but on the inside is dead. But the branch that is connected to the vine, it will bear fruit. John Chapter 15, let's go back and and read a little bit and we'll read through the end of this section here. uh, Going back to verse 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. That's beautiful. There is a way that we can glorify the Father here. By what? Producing much fruit. We rely on the vine. We, we, we need it. We need the power and the sovereignty of God in our life. We need to see him working in us because we can do nothing without him. There's such encouragement in that to know that when you want to serve and do anything for God, it's going to be because of him working through you. And so if you feel lacking in an area, if you feel incapable of doing a certain thing, like, oh, I can't can't talk with that person. I can't share my faith in this way. Yes, you can because it's God working through you, not you. The Father is glorified when we bear much fruit. If you remain in Christ and his words in you, his words literally meaning the declaration of him, so the the declaring of him, which we would call the gospel, the good news, if those words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. If you are willing and requesting, it shall become to you. 
if you remain in Christ and his words remain in you. And so what is he getting at here? I think it's a very clear call to sharing the gospel. What, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And you're like, well, I mean, I've asked for a lot of stuff and it hasn't been done for me. Were you abiding in his word, his will, what he wanted you to do? I've been challenged with this a lot and my, my thing um, is, for me, I go to a lot, is the Walmart parking lot. Um, I'll go to Walmart usually a couple times a month and every time I'm there, there's either somebody asking for money or there's somebody selling something. There's somebody I can talk to that will listen to me talk. And, and so many times I just go past it or I'll give a $5 bill and move on. And I've been more challenged to be like, are these not the moments that scripture talks about? Should I not on my way there be praying, God, Lord, abide in me as I abide in you, work in me so that I may produce fruit here today? I'm not changing my schedule. I'm not going out of my way. Yeah, I'm still busy. I still got to get the thing done, but I can have a two or three minute conversation with the person. I can share the gospel in some way. I can go to the the sales guy in the back of Walmart that wants me to buy his thing and I can take a moment to say, yeah, I'll talk to you. You want to listen to what I have to say? There are opportunities around us that don't require you to change your busy schedule, but in the midst of your busy schedule, to pray and seek the Lord before and ask him to work and to show you someone as you're shopping or doing whatever you're doing, that person over there, let me just go say hi to him real quick. How's your day? How are you doing? And watch God work if you seek him, abide in him, and pray to him. Ask whatever you wish. Lord, would you work in this moment? Would you speak to this person? God, I'm going to go step out in faith right now, and it's scaring me. But I think this person needs to hear from you. Ask whatever I wish, right, God? <laughs> and, and watch yourself be so filled with joy that you bore fruit. I don't know their exact story, but I know the Father was glorified, that I lifted him up, that he was glorified, that I shared with him shared with this other person the good news of Christ on the cross. We do this even in more personal ways in our life. Prayer. What is prayer? It is seeking God for something that we are unable to do. All of us, or most of us, really like to be independent. We like to think we've got this one. I've got this thing under control. I can do this on my own. That's what we want to do. Prayer is the admitting of the defeat of that and saying, God, I need you to work. And that is often why we go to him um, before hard things and difficult things. But what if we did it in all things? What if we relied on him? You see, God is glorified when we rely on him for prayer, when we've come to acknowledge this idea that we can do nothing without him. And all we can do is point to him. Our father is glorified. When my son needs mom or dad, we are glorified in the sense of he needs us. When we go to our father and say what we need, what we need, he is glorified because we go to him. And he doesn't always give us all that we ask for because sometimes our hearts and our minds aren't asking the things that he knows are best for us. And so when this passage says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you, 
the words right before that, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that what we are asking is what God wishes and wants to do in our life, the good things that he wants to do. So this is our, the command to share the gospel, the good news with others. And Jesus continues in the passage with this. Verse 9. He says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. This is huge. The whole passage comes together here. What is the fruit? What are the commands? What does it mean to abide? Jesus here shifts some of the language. I hope you catch it. Of up further in the verse, he talks about remain in me, I in you. You go back to verse 14. I am in the Father, the Father is in me. And then here in the end, or in verse 9, he talks about, or sorry, verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. See the echoing of the previous verse? Remaining in him, remain in my love. Just as, what? Jesus has kept the Father's commands and remained in his love. And what is his command to us? To love one another. And what is the love of Jesus to us? It's the gospel. It's what he did for us on the cross. It's the self-sacrificing love that he showed for us. It's not the love of the world. We have made the word so cheap. Just love everybody. Now, love is deeper than that. Love is what says the truth, and love is what sacrifices yourself for others, as Christ did for us, as he remained in the love of the Father to do what he came to do, and he showed us that love. He then says, remain in my love. Remain in the gospel. Remain in the truth of the one who loves you. And it comes with, with joy. Verse 11, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. So we go back to our day-to-days to love one another. As what? As Christ loved us. How did Christ love us? By showing us the love of the Father and sacrificing himself. How do we love others? By showing them the Father's love and sacrificing ourselves for them. And in that, he has told us those things so that our joy may be complete. So you want fullness of joy in life. You want to wake up and have a smile on your face and just looking forward to the day can promise you it's not because life just is going to get easier. It's going to be because this sets in and that goes regardless of my day, as hard as it may be, and as much as I don't want to wake up and go do it, that because of the love of the Father in my life and how he has changed me and I know there is a hope to come, that I can point everyone around me to the Father. And that might mean some suffering on your part, because the world may not want to hear that. But you'll leave with joy. Oh, to be persecuted in our time for us sharing our faith, how much we would relate more to the disciples 
seek first his kingdom in the midst of our busy schedule? Do we believe it, church? Do we believe there's an age to come, a hope to come, that he's given us grace today, but this is not our home. Our home is to come. And so seek first his kingdom. There's many things in this, this command to love, to love for one another and everybody around you. It's a love for in this room, for unity in the church, our church. It's a unity among all churches that we would love one another to be slow to judge, but quick to love one another. It is the power of God to enable us to see things, to do things, the deep, deep roots of the vine that we don't even see. He has so much power and love if we would walk in his ways. And it's the joy of salvation. David refers to that in one of his psalms, restore to me the joy of my salvation. David finds himself in deep sexual sin. And what is his prayer? Restore to me the joy of my salvation. David realized his issue was he forgot the joy of what Christ had done in his life. He forgot to abide. He forgot to see and to savor the love of God towards him. So we'll keep going here. Verse 12. This is my command to love one another as I have loved you. No greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask in the father's name, he will give you. This is what I command you, to love one another. Man, that's a good good stuff there. Jesus calls us friends. He reveals to us the words of the Father. And he encourages us, as we go back to talking before of the branch and the vine, he clarifies that you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and produce fruit. So if you are in the vine, secured by Christ, He's the one behind you, appointing you to go. He wants you to go. He's with you. He chose you as a child of God to go and do good, to produce, namely, what? Fruit, which is what? To share the love of the Father that Christ had with all around us. In these final moments as Jesus is heading to the cross, I love, he gives us this command twice to love one another. And he says, no one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And we can read that knowing what's to come, but he said that before they knew exactly what was to come. We know what Jesus is saying there. You are my friends. (laughs) You see it. No one has greater love than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. He's telling them, 
I'm going to go die on the cross for you because you're my friends and I love you. In these final moments, he's, Jesus is heading to the cross, revealing his heart to us. He calls us friends. And he says, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. And yet he died shortly after this with his friends abandoning him as he stood alone on the cross, dying for the friends he loved. But his friends left him. And how many of us walk away from our love for God? How many of us abandon the love of Jesus in our day? Oh, it's too hard right now, God. I'm going to do my own thing. We're all there. There's a reason Scripture gives us this, because we can relate to it. We can see as God is working and sharing his love that we tend to, I don't know, God, that's a lot. I don't know if I could follow you in that. And on that cross, he bore the weight of the punishment of his friends that were not there. He was forsaken as the very trinity of God was pushed to its very limits. As the wrath of God was poured out on God, the wrath of the Father on the Son, bearing God's wrath until it was finished. No greater love than this, than the one who gives his life for his friends. The bottom line is this. Will you abide with the one who calls you friend, your Lord, your King, your Savior, your God? How deep is the Father's love for us? The vine that feeds the branch. Would you hold on? As he's holding on to you, and he'll never let you go. Would you hold on to the one that loves you, that has deep love for you, that gave his life for you? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your love. It is so sweet as we savor it, Lord. The love that gives life. Lord, as you died on the cross, knowing that there was no way for us to make it to heaven on our own, you made the way. And you sent your son, Jesus, the son of God, to die in our place. And he left these words for us. Abide in me. Lord, would we abide in you? Today, tomorrow, the week to come, the years to come, to make a point, to seek after you, to love you, to hold you as you hold on to us and you will never let us go. How deep is your love for us? Lord, we love you. We praise and glorify your name. Amen.